Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Frame and Sequence podcast. My name is Todd Rittendero, and in this episode, I sit down with photographer Renato D'Agostin. I have admired Renato's work for a very long time, and I had the pleasure of meeting up with him last January at his beautiful warehouse, studio, and darkroom on the outskirts of Venice. I remember the first time that I saw Renato's work, and it completely changed my perception and expectations of what photography could be and could do. Dislocating subjects from their realities, he depicts his perception of the space around him, the relationships between the architecture and the people, opening a new porthole in the spectator's imagination. His works have been exhibited in several exhibitions in Europe, the United States, and Asia, and published in numerous books. Renato shoots mainly black and white film, and we talk about his photography and his approach to his work, and the importance of the darkroom as an extension of that process. We talk about his time living in New York City, and assisting photographer Ralph Gibson. We also discuss his approach to exhibiting his work, and why he loves making books. And we delve into how he thinks about his projects, and much, much more. Renato is one of the most inspiring artists I have ever met, and he shares so many gems in this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Well, hello, Renato. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. For those listening, we are sitting in Renato's uh, beautiful warehouse studio just outside of Venice after a delicious lunch, a bit of Prosecco, and now we're going to talk some photography, life, and art, hopefully. So I'm very happy to be sitting here with you. Thank you. Um, Happy to be here. We were talking earlier. I think I first discovered your work through uh, through Conan S. Traveler, maybe it was the cover, or perhaps it was your cross cross U.S. motorcycle. Yeah, that's possible. Project. Uh, the one or the other one was uh, later the cover, but uh, yeah. And I just remember the first time I saw an image of yours, I was severely taken aback in the best possible way because it blew my mind open to a different way of seeing through photography, and and I'd love to just get into that and ask you about how you've sort of developed your vision or how you see and think and, and how you create these beautiful images. So was photography always an interest of yours, even as a kid? It became uh, my major interest uh, when I was about 17 years old. I, uh, I cannot say that I uh, was into photography before that because, uh, yeah, I wasn't. The only thing I know when I was a kid, uh, I used to go to my father's place uh, and he used to have this... Uh, Binocular, binoculars uh, around his place uh, and I would just enjoy going through them and uh, seeing things uh, uh, closer and uh, and just see the compression uh, of, uh, of the visual landscape in front of me so uh, I just can remember that but it doesn't really have to do anything with photography if not um, just the, the idea of distance uh, and reaching the distance in a, in a closer way. Mm. Uh, so I guess that was my first encounter with uh, um, seeing things uh, through something, again, uh, not strictly related to photography, but somehow, I guess. Right. And then when I was uh, 17, 18, uh, then I, start, uh, I started to, to get into photography more properly. Do you remember the first time you picked up a camera? Uh, yes, I am a kind of professional, it wasn't professional, but kind of a more serious camera than just a disposable one. I was, uh, yeah, pretty much when I was uh, 17 and uh, I happened to, to have one in my hands uh, because uh, my father always had uh, the passion for photography without even knowing how to take a photograph, but he just liked to, to have a camera around. So um, he gave me one uh, after I... Uh, express my uh, my interest in uh, um, in seeing things uh, through through a camera and um, and so I I start looking into it and um, and figuring out that uh, through a lens it was much better. 
<laughs> Do you mind telling the story you were telling at lunch about walking through Venice and kind of seeing that yeah. picture and how that may have propelled Of course, you? that was uh, really the, the first uh, real encounter with, uh, with vision, I guess, more than photography, because I still didn't know what photography was. I had no, uh, no idea what it meant uh, to use a camera. I'd never really seen one, if not just... Uh, from some uh, ceremonies I had to go through when I was a kid, <laughs> and um, and so I was walking. Uh, I was walking in Venice, uh, and uh, and I just saw a situation uh, that kind of told me that uh, uh, that it could be a nice photograph without again knowing that uh, what a photograph was, but it just made some sense uh, uh, as a subject and uh, as lighting and um, and as uh, shapes and everything. So. I I just thought that, and then uh, months later, uh, I happened to meet some people in uh, in my hometown that were doing actually some classes of photography. And I guess when you start getting interested in something, then uh, all the world around you is showing you that there is more of that around you. So you just right. embrace that if you want, and that can turn into something. So after sort of experiencing that and seeing a dark room and and all that, what was it that sort of propelled you onwards? Well, uh, I, um, so when I took these classes uh, with these uh, two photographers in my hometown, uh, it was really like uh, a Thursday night uh, uh, class uh, where like 50 people, which is uh, really amazing for a small hometown like mine. That is they were like, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it was like uh, two kids my age, 17 or whatever, and, um, and housewives that didn't know what to do with themselves on Thursday night. And so by the church, uh, these two people uh, uh, did these classes. Uh, so five classes and uh, we got into the darkroom. Uh, that was uh, the most sensational thing for me because uh, seeing something that uh, magical uh, to happen uh, just in front of your eyes, that red color, that uh, empty space that you can fill up with your imagination, that was just... Uh, uh, a dream that I didn't even know existed uh, come true, and so I I started doing it myself, and uh, and so I I started I started to fall in love with it, and uh, seriously not even knowing what I was getting into it, and uh, time went by and the time to make the decision after high school to do uh, this or that uh, with my life uh, was about to, to appear in front of my eyes. And uh, so I decided to do something, at that time it seemed drastic, now it makes me laugh, but I decided to do a one month trip uh, after high school and go to, uh, through Europe, uh, through the western uh, capitals of Europe, uh, just with my camera, just with 20 rolls of Tri-X. And uh, my idea was, uh, okay, I get back from this trip, and if I love being alone, uh, being one month by myself around Europe or wherever, if the result is good enough, if I enjoy uh, just thinking about what I see and how to make it uh, turn into a photograph, uh, then the decision is there, I will be a photographer. I came back, uh, all the answers were yes, okay, good, and, uh, and so I became a photographer. Wow. Actually, I stayed a photographer or something, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. And then, so what were the next steps for you? Ultimately, you, you ended up in New York City for, was it, what, 13 years? Well, before that, I had to to do a little uh, um, thing in between. Uh, uh, I couldn't just go straight to New York. I went to Milan mm. uh, because in my hometown, being a photographer meant uh, at that time uh, being a wedding or a passport pictures photographer. <laughs> uh, 
and with all respect, uh, sure. uh, that's not really what I had in mind. Uh, my mom was, my mother was desperate uh, because uh, she didn't know that there was another kind of photography going around in the world, which was uh, not wedding photography. And so, well, I couldn't care less. I just wanted to uh, to do what I felt was right. And so I went to Milan and uh, had a very short two years experience, which meant a lot to me. Uh, I did a little school of photography, but uh, I quit after uh, a couple of months uh, because it was not my thing. But more importantly, I worked as an assistant for a photographer in Milan uh, that opened up my eyes uh, towards um, photography in general and the passion for photography. Right. So that was uh, that was before New York. Okay. But then, uh, then I did the choice to yeah to go overseas. What was the ultimate impetus for making the decision to move to New York? Well, desperation, <laughs> because uh, I. I had a tremendous uh, passion, of, which I still have, obviously, for photography and for what I do and the way I do it. Uh, it's uh, totally honest. Uh, and when I was in Milan and 20 years old, uh, uh, with a little portfolio, but still uh, I was uh, working really hard. So I, um, I really believed in what I was doing. And uh, just meeting people or calling up uh, agencies, uh, galleries, anything that related to photography was really depressing for me because the first question they would ask me on the phone was, how old are you? And uh, I couldn't really lie because that's not what I do. So I would say 20. Maybe that was silly. I should have said uh, 50. <laughs> um, and uh, the answer was uh, a laugh and uh, come back, uh, call us back when you have a serious portfolio. I'm not very patient. I'm not a very patient person, if not in in photography and uh, in the darkroom. Uh, but in general, when it's about uh, presenting my work, uh, I, I try to push hard because, uh, well, if I believe in it, there's no reason not to. Right. And so I um, I just got sick of it. And uh, in the meantime, I had the chance to do a couple of days in New York uh, um, because my sister was studying in Washington and so on. And so I just saw that uh, approaching some realities there. Uh, I don't even know if they were seriously interested or not, but the, the, the approach was different. They would never ask me uh, my age. And for me, at that age, uh, was uh, everything I wanted just to show my work. Uh, whatever the response was, I was not begging anything. I was not uh, dreaming too much, uh, just a little bit. But uh, the fact that they wouldn't ask me the age, uh, but just to see the work uh, meant everything. So I decided to go. Wow. Incredible. And so what sort of work were you showing at that time? Were you still finding your vision? Well, I still am finding my vision. Uh, at that time, it was, um, it was a little bit less <laughs> precise than now, I guess. It was, uh, my very f it was a group of photographs, so my very first shots from that trip across uh, Europe. Oh, wow. Still, uh, I thought, uh, and I still think, actually, there were some um, um, relevant shots that I believed in it and I still think that it makes sense for uh, my my line of photography. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, I was proposing that uh, plus another few things uh, which now would be embarrassed uh, but uh, that's that's what I knew and that's what I did uh, and right. it worked out somehow. And how was your entry into New York? Was it a, what you expected? <laughs> well, I didn't know anybody there. And uh, my actual entry in New York is kind of funny because I arrived on and, uh, and JFK and, um, and uh, everybody had told me, don't take uh, the, the black cabs, uh, just take the yellow cabs. Uh, 
And I was really, I didn't close my eyes on the plane, anything. And I was just so excited to be there. I didn't even listen to what people had told me a few days before. So I just took, obviously, the first guy that comes up to me and says, do you need a cab? I said, sure. And I was <laughs> supposed to go to this place that someone I knew from here was about to come to rent a couple of weeks later. But she was kind enough to tell me to use it. Uh, and so I took this cab and uh, you made me walk uh, to this uh, garage or something, I don't <laughs> remember. And I said, okay, well, this is my arrival in New York. They're going to steal everything, whatever. I'm lost. I don't know where I'm going. But at the end, he was a nice guy. But when we got to the to the exit uh, of the garage, uh, there was the, the bar that lifts up and goes down. And um, I was sitting in the back and he just kept going and I was like, man, uh, what? Um, and he just crashed into that bar, that, that thing that was coming down <laughs> oh and he destroyed the windshield, uh, glass everywhere. He was really going high speed. I don't even know why in the garage. <laughs> so that was my entrance to New York. I went to, I got to Manhattan, seeing Manhattan through a hole in the windshield of the, of oh. the car. That was my first <laughs> arrival in Manhattan. <laughs> Well, at least you saw it from a slightly different perspective than most, probably. Yeah, huh? definitely. Show. That's so he funny. did, too. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, at that point, were you just hungry to get your work in front of people and continue shooting? Yeah, I had, uh, well, I had all my cameras. Uh, um, it seemed like I was uh, going there uh, for my next uh, 100 years uh, for what I was carrying with me. <laughs> I was really loaded with uh, portfolios, uh, matted prints, uh, which was a big mistake to do. Uh, but I was, uh, and still am a European, so I took care about the passepartout right. and everything, everything proper, which I totally understood there was no sense there. And uh, my cameras, so I, I, I start shooting, obviously, and, um, and I start trying to, to get my work to be seen by whoever was in the world of photography. Everybody. I was, uh, I was desperate. Uh, I only had three months uh, for my visa to use, uh, my touristic visa. So I knew that that was my time. I didn't know if I could go back. Uh, and so that was my, my chance to, to say, hey, this is what I do. Does anybody care? And, well, some people did. So, so I stayed there for 13 years. <laughs> Amazing. Can I ask you about the, uh, the dog walking job? Yeah, that, that came just after uh, the first uh, few weeks, I think. Uh, a friend of mine that I met there, uh, I was lucky because um, just one week after I, I, I got to New York, through some people, I got to meet uh, some of the people that actually became friends and are still friends of mine. Wow. And then were a big part of my life in New York and uh, elsewhere as well. And uh, so this friend of mine, a uh, uh, super nice uh, person, she was a dog walker at that time, doing other million things like everybody in New York. I mean, uh, it's, sure. uh, everybody has a second, third, fourth uh, version of their lives happening at the same time. And um, the winter was coming up uh, and she was starting to freeze uh, while walking the dogs. And uh, I told her, I'm desperate, I need, I need something, I need to, to pay the rent and everything. So she said, okay, it's starting to snow, it's cold, um, I'm getting busy with other things, uh, do you want to walk dogs? I said, absolutely, that's a dream job for me. I love dogs. So I did, and for six months I was doing that in the morning, and uh, in the afternoon I was uh, knocking on everybody's doors in the world of photography just to, to hear what they thought about my work, just wow. to share my work. Uh, that, was, uh, that was quite intense, but fun. 
Well, that, I mean, that must have just been a great way to sort of discover the city on foot. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Especially under the snow at minus whatever it was. Poor dogs. Right. Uh, but it was beautiful. Yeah. I loved them all. Uh, I had like seven dogs uh, and uh, <laughs> the other guy next to me, another seven. But it was amazing because... Uh, just a few hours in the morning would help me to sustain a little bit of my life in New York. I mean, most all of it, actually. Wow. And uh, in the afternoon, I would just go around. In the evening, I would just go to events uh, to um, just to see what was going on in, in yeah. the photography world every day. Right. Were you shooting a lot at that time as well? Yeah, I was always carrying my camera. I was shooting uh, everything of everything, even just... Uh, daily life with my friends a uh, kind of journal again not knowing really how long i could stay there and uh, what part of my life that would be at the end uh, so just taking every opportunity to just click right completely um so i know that at some point you started assisting ralph gibson who is a you know figure in the photography and art world and how did that whole relationship develop and come about well, that was uh, that was uh, still is uh, uh, one of the best things that ever happened to my life. Ralph is uh, well, uh, everybody knows uh, an incredible photographer, worldwide uh, amazing artist, and uh, I consider myself extremely lucky to have been working with for him or whatever. It was always uh, kind of the same thing. Uh, obviously, working for him, but I felt like uh, we we're sharing much more than that. Sure. And uh, there was a mutual respect that I always loved and, um, and made the experience uh, just remarkable uh, uh, for me as a human being and as a photographer. Towards the end of my six months uh, walking dogs, I, I already knew the work of Ralph uh, quite extensively and I loved it. And uh, I decided to approach him and he was uh, kind enough to invite, him, invite me to his studio wow. to show him the work. And so I did. And uh, he pulled out a couple of photographs uh, that uh, he liked. Uh, he said, well, these are going to be in the history of photography, so you can start cleaning the studio tomorrow if you want. Uh, so the next day, I went there and for the following 10 days. Uh, I just cleaned the studio. And the good thing is that uh, going through every book uh, that I was uh, putting in order in the bookshelf or cleaning up or reordering by some special order on the bookshelf, uh, he told me I could go through all of them if I wanted. So basically, that was the <laughs> university I never had in, uh, in photography. Oh my God, and, incredible. Uh, and there were lots of them. And then uh, one thing led to the other, and uh, I started working in the darkroom for him uh, and uh, understanding how much the darkroom is uh, an extension uh, from the negative. It's not just uh, a way to reproduce the image, but it's actually an act of uh, building the photograph together with light. Right. Wow, I think that's an important distinction that gets missed a lot when thinking about the darkroom. Yeah, definitely, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Were there some of the key things that he taught you in terms of like being an artist or thinking about your own personal work that you still use or took away? Yeah, one thing uh, amazing about Ralph is that he kept telling me, you are the one that has ins to inspire me, not the other way around. And every time I was like, what? And that's what he meant, because uh, he he's an incredibly uh, energetic man, uh, thirsty of uh, culture, knowledge, uh, art, uh, everything and that relates uh, to, to the human brain uh, and uh, all its extensions. Uh, and um, that thing that he said, uh, you're the one that has to inspire me, 
rather than the other way is something that, for example, I never heard uh, even closely uh, or farther, whatever. Uh, never heard uh, anywhere else um, because uh, when you are having a conversation with someone that is uh, what 50 years older than you, that is a master of photography. In Italy, my experience was that uh, they were the prima donna and uh, <laughs> everybody else uh, was uh, whatever, nothing. And uh, that's the feeling I always had elsewhere. With wow. him, it uh, was uh, completely the opposite. Uh, he was uh, eager to see him in the morning when I would come into the studio. He would ask me, so what did you do last night? And I said, well, I was printing in the darkroom. Uh, you didn't shoot anything? No, I was printing. I said, well, you're a photographer, you have to shoot. And then think about printing. I said, but, but I uh, anyway, it was a nonsense, <laughs> uh, constant uh, thing that he was doing it to push myself. And I always uh, stayed with me and uh, I admire him for, for that. And obviously, uh, on top of that, uh, what, uh, what um, made him... Uh, such a great uh, artist, uh, such a complete uh, artist and photographer is that in, he just uh, didn't care only about photography in his life. He cared about uh, every other form of art, uh, uh, music, obviously, poetry, literature, uh, architecture, uh, sculpture, uh, painting, everything. Right. And uh, the whole thing together made him the great artist uh, he is and he will be. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> I, I, I love that idea of how are you going to inspire me? You definitely don't hear that from many teachers. No, absolutely not. It's, uh, it's really inspiring. It was really inspiring, inspiring for me to hear that about me. Yeah. I know that um, in some of the interviews I've heard with him or seen him speak at, he talks about this idea of a visual signature or and, and sort yeah. of finding your own. Did he instill that in you or help you find yours or how do you how do you think about that idea or concept well it's uh it's definitely one thing that uh, ralph gibson uh i think or he, he keeps saying that is uh, extremely important uh, uh, and i agree to uh, for most of it obviously it's um, i guess also that uh, every photographer artists uh, uh, need to have uh, their own uh, visual signature i'm not sure about uh, how that uh, applies to me uh, i keep thinking about that it comes to my mind all the time uh, and i keep thinking if that's uh, uh, what is the most important thing for me or not uh, as myself as renato if uh, that's uh, uh, that's what i wake up in the morning for right I'm not sure he's saying that uh, because everybody should wake up uh, and think, uh, what's my visual signature? I think uh, he extends that uh, to many other points. Uh, but just like that, uh, I, I've i always cared about that. Uh, I'm caring a little bit less now. I'm thinking more about how a photograph um, that I take uh, can be meaningful, or not necessarily Renato D'Agostino photograph. Uh, uh, that's uh, that's what I uh, detach a little bit from this theory, if I'm not wrong. Uh, that yes, uh, I want it to be. I, I actually let's say it's not that I want it or not want it to be a visual Renato D'Agostino. I don't care anymore. Like as long as uh, I'm totally honest with that photograph, if it's exactly me 100% not aesthetically but conceptually or um, 
all the points that make a photograph together, right. which is not just the aesthetic uh, or the cut or the angle or the lens uh, uh, or the feeling. I think it has to be all the same. I'm sure Ralph means that too, obviously. Sure. Uh, I'm trying to, to, to study that in my mind and see how to see what it means to me. And uh, the final result, uh, I have to say, yes, uh, it represents me or not. It would be hard to say not because I took it. Um, but I guess that's for later on to connect, uh, to connect all these dots uh, and, and make a summary out of it. I don't, uh, I'm not thinking about it now. Right. I want to be free out of that thinking. That idea. Yeah, yeah. completely. I mean, I'm, I'm curious how you do approach uh, a series or a series of books. Do you... Do you do a lot of pre-thinking or research or even writing about it? Or how do you jump in and into a long-form project? Well, it, it changes all the time, the approach. Uh, I have projects um, that started because of uh, uh, one reason, other ones that started because of the opposite reason. For example, I went to Tokyo in 2007, I believe, uh, because I fell in love with uh, Japanese uh, photography and Japanese photo books. Oh, wow. And so I, I said to myself, uh, what can I do there? How would my photog photography operate there? How would my eye uh, approach the subject, the culture, the, the mentality, the landscape, uh, the cityscape, everything? Right. And so I, and so I went to Tokyo and uh, had my cultural shock and uh, did my project. <laughs> And that's, for example, for Tokyo. And then uh, as a response to that, uh, I said, what's the opposite I can do is to go back home. And uh, so I did a book about Venice mm -hmm. because I wanted to push myself to uh, feel exactly the opposite uh, that I felt in Tokyo. And so that kind of detachment uh, that I had in Tokyo, I wanted to experience the opposite, which, the opposite which was uh, to understand the language, uh, to know pretty much where I was going, uh, to get lost in a different kind of way, and to see, to challenge myself and see what that could be uh, um, as a result. And the Venice book came out. So it always changes. So, I mean, it seems like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that it, it sort of starts with a feeling or something that you want to explore from that perspective? Yeah, and uh, yes, and then uh, one thing leads to the next one, uh, as uh, for example, this Tokyo-Venice connection. Uh, um, mm, some other projects uh, have been, I hate to say commissioned, because it's not really a proper word, uh, but uh, I was asked uh, to explore a certain place uh, or a certain uh, subject uh, with uh, carte blanche, uh, and, uh, and so I did. So that's another way that I had to approach uh, some subjects. Some others uh, start from uh, one photograph uh, and then they be it becomes a series. Or uh, there, there are so many uh, little subtle uh, uh, differences between one project and the other, but they, if, I, if I could go back, I would make them all again. Uh, maybe differently in the end part of the book, but uh, generally speaking, uh, they're all projects that I felt uh, close to myself. Uh, um, doesn't matter if they were asked or, uh, or uh, I just dreamt about them at night or I woke up thinking about something. Uh, they all make sense uh, to me and uh, I dedicated myself in the same way. Wow. I mean, you've, you always shoot black and white film for the most part, right? 
90 percent 90 percent yeah what uh what is it about film that makes you want to stick with it is it the, the darkroom process and and the entire experience well it, it is everything about the the film about the analog uh, photography sometimes uh Sometimes uh, some people think that I just hate uh, digital photography, which is definitely not the case. Uh, I just don't, I'm just not interested. I'm interested in, uh, in the respect uh, of the materials uh, that exist in the film photography. In the analog photography, it doesn't need necessarily need film, it just can be paper and light. The true, as for me, for the way I see it, uh, the, the essence of uh, Photography is light, and uh, and therefore uh, the simplest way of uh, making photography is uh, light through film, light uh, through film onto paper, and uh, that's it. Right. It's very simple. I don't have to update uh, any trays in the darkroom, uh, like uh, softwares are here and there. I don't have to do that. That's just a way for me uh, to to approach uh, what I what I do and. Uh, I don't have uh, anything against uh, digital or uh, analog photography. For me, there's no really difference. Uh, it, the, what matters is the final result. And um, I believe that whatever medium that artist, uh, he or she used to get to the result he or she wanted, that's all good. The right. important thing is that he or she used, or at least let's say that I like to know that that artist used the wave of producing that work or making that work because that was the best way to respect the subject the materials him or herself it's a it's a whole circle that for me is for me comes natural when i deal with uh, uh, film analog photography mm -hmm. and for me that's uh, the only option but uh, uh, it's only one possibility out of uh, many for everybody. For me, as uh, Renato D'Agostino, it's important to know that uh, I can touch the film, I can touch the paper, I can touch the chemicals, everything is uh, with me together uh, physically. And uh, because the way I am, that uh, reflects uh, properly into the process of the darkroom. Right. No, I love I love that whole idea of of the materials, especially. And yeah, there is a respect which uh, I I don't believe or haven't encountered any real respect for a for a hard drive, <laughs> for a pixel. And I'm yeah. sure people do respect them uh, because if you lose them, uh, you're done. But you have problems. But when you touch a sheet of paper in the darkroom, it's not a sheet of paper. Uh, at least for me, right. then I like also that poetic side of it, uh, but that's just a result of it. It's not the the why, the reason why I uh, I embrace uh, uh, light in the darkroom that much. Right. I, we were talking a little bit earlier. I started out shooting film and have gone the digital route for the main part, but now I'm starting to swing back to film for my personal work, which I, has changed the way that I think. I really like how it slows me down and makes me more intentional does that do you feel like that is part of it for you oh yeah no definitely it's a, a very important uh, part for me as well because uh, I like uh, not to see what I'm doing directly uh, many many times I find myself with 36 shots and uh, at the 35th shot I still don't have the photograph uh, and then uh, I know 
the subject is moving uh, two centimeters um, to the left or to the right or up and down, and I have one shot left, and I know that I will focus uh, at the highest level I can uh, in that last uh, fraction of the film. And, and I believe that tension, for me, that works for me. Somebody else uh, might not work like that. I'm sure they don't. Uh, for me, the last tension that I have uh, is what made uh, the last frame uh, of several negatives uh, to be the best one of the whole uh, uh, attempts uh, that I had done 35 times before, right. or the first one of the following role, because between changing uh, the last role, uh, those few seconds uh, to change the role and get to the next one, uh, that made me move a little bit or think a little bit uh, faster or slower and just uh, breathe for a second at a different uh, pace. And uh, I believe in all those little moments of tension and release when you, when you shoot, because it's a constant up and down. It's like a heartbeat that you have to control. And um, not seeing exactly what I'm doing on the back of the camera, like if I was shooting digital, uh, that allows me to, to breathe at a speed that I can sort of push or slow down to the tension uh, in respect of the subject that I'm photographing or right. to myself, uh, to how I'm experiencing the situation in that precise moment. Uh, if I was able to see what I'm doing, I think uh, the next photograph will be affected by the previous one. And um, if I see what, what I've been doing, uh, then uh, I see that it doesn't work. Uh, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't take the next one. Maybe I would just uh, drop the subject and change the scene. Right. And instead, many, many times, and basically all over my photography, it's by catching the moment, yes, of course, but uh, it's a constant uh, flow of, uh, of my mind, uh, with my hands, uh, my eyes, uh, it's all together. So I find that, uh, I find that with, with film camera, I can uh, adjust my speed with the camera and the subject. Does your choice of equipment factor into how you shoot or how you like to think about shooting? I don't really think uh, much about the equipment. Uh, I mean, I do in some ways, uh, meaning that, um, uh, for example, uh, I like a short, uh, short lens, I'm saying 50. <laughs> I don't go shorter than, uh, rarely go right. shorter than that. And uh, I like very much the long lenses, and I like to put them together. Mm. Uh, so I usually carry around a couple of, uh, at least a couple of cameras with, uh, with um, two different lenses. And uh, the way that uh, I use the long lens is to try not to make it look too much like a long lens. Right. So the compression that I try to reach is more to make it graphic rather than compressed, uh, sometimes a more compressed rather than graphic, uh, and there are always um, very little differences that make that happen, uh, and that li those little differences are the ones that uh, can make you fall the photograph, can make you fail the photograph, uh, if right. you don't, uh, or at least if I don't uh, understand the balance between the graphic uh, element and the compression element. Uh, oh, so right, when yeah. I put those uh, together with uh, I don't know, 35 rarely, but a 50 millimeters, especially when I lay out uh, on a project, on a book or an exhibition, uh, I like to find those um, tridimensional uh, um, 
that tridimensional way of uh, shaping the project, getting in and out uh, different distances uh, from, uh, from the subject, me looking at the work, uh, either book or exhibition, but finding that in and out, uh, it has all to be very uh, musical, uh, very balanced. Right. Okay. And it only takes uh, one little mistake to make it fall apart. Uh, I've done my mistakes in all the books pretty much. <laughs> Not all of them, but most of them. Uh, but you never stop growing up, so hopefully one day I'll get the right one. <laughs> right. I mean, I think one of the things that I'm so drawn to about your work is that even on some of the tighter shots, it feels like the place without having to like show the place, if that makes sense. Like some of them almost teeter on abstraction a little bit. Yeah. Is that was that a conscious thought? Or yeah, yeah. Abs- yeah. Uh, well, that's uh, that's what I naturally that's how, do okay. in photography. I could never. I'm not interested in uh, in showing the place uh, uh, through the um, normal elements that we show the place. Uh, right. There's post- uh, there's postcards for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are there are, in, there are too many uh, many times. Like for example in Venice, but um, I like to try. Uh, what interests me is to try to find the essence of a place and uh, put together those. Uh, very few elements because I usually work for subtraction mm-hmm. just to find a perfect uh, or at least I try the perfect balance uh, that will tell you if not everything because that that's uh, that's hard I think I did maybe a couple of times but uh, something aside of that place aside of uh, uh, in ge- generally talking uh, my work is about uh, man and the architecture, man and the city, and the place of man in the city, and all that. So, try to uh, summarize, uh, uh, sum up uh, those elements uh, or some of those aspects uh, in one uh, bidimensional image. That's my my usual challenge, and uh, that I can say essence, uh, one part of the essence of that place, or or that. Um, Non, not even necessarily, and I'm losing that uh, oh, oh, um, even more, not necessarily a specific place. I'm trying to take it a little bit more broad, broad and um, a little bit wider now and thinking about it, uh, like, for example, for my la- latest project, uh, Harmony of Chaos, about Shanghai. I try to take it uh, not about Shanghai, but more about the universal uh, uh, scale of the megalopolis, right. so the man and the city in general. So that's the direction uh, I wanted to go with that project, uh, and uh, there are some images that I feel uh, I got that um, uh, it, it works for me right. when I look at them. Completely. No, I, I, de- I would say it definitely works for me. <laughs> some of those larger images are just stunning. Thank you. So what was it that ultimately made you leave New York and come back to Venice and basically your hometown? Well, everything started when uh, about a couple of years ago, I uh, started getting back to my uh, Shanghai negatives uh, that then became a Harmony of Chaos uh, project. And uh, when I was in my little darkroom in, uh, in my Brooklyn studio, I started testing and testing uh, just thinking that I would just uh, make uh, better prints uh, than I uh, than the ones I had already made in 2012, um, but I, I try to to push it uh, harder and uh, I start um, 
to get the idea of the compression, the vibration, the speed, uh, the movement of the city, the claustrophobia, the alienation of the city, I started taking these uh, uh, cityscapes of uh, horizons of buildings, uh, one after the other, hundreds after hundreds, and just uh, amplify even more uh, those structures, uh, which means uh, under the enlarger, I started to uh, expose the same negative uh, uh, over and over and over, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 times, uh, uh, just moving a little bit the paper under the enlarger while doing the different exposures. Oh. This brought to a very intense uh, uh, controlled, because then I started learning the control of it, uh, um, a very dense uh, texture which for me was uh, the whole idea over the megalopolis uh, and the multiplication uh, and so on and so on. So when I started doing that, I was working on a 16 by 20 inches paper because that's uh, the maximum size I could do in my small darkroom in uh, Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, and immediately after the first few hours after the first testing, I, I said, well, this has to be large. It has to go to another scale. It cannot remain small. It's just uh, cute yeah. and small. <laughs> it has to be disturbing. So I took out the enlarger from the darkroom and projected into the large wall of the loft and uh, just to see if uh, the larger scale would mean more or it would just be a larger image or if it actually made sense. Mm. And it did make sense, it did make sense uh, just even projecting it, projecting on the, on the wall. And then uh, I, well, I said, uh, so what do I do with trays? I need like uh, meters and meters of trays. What does that mean? I don't know, I've never seen them anyway. Um, so, I, so I said, well, uh, what if I find another space? And so I started looking at uh, warehouses in uh, Paris, in Berlin, uh, and I said, you know, everything, this was the first night I tested. <laughs> and uh, and so I said, well, you know what, uh, I'll just go back to Italy. It's close to everywhere I need to be in Europe. It's uh, possible because I know I can find the space uh, uh, that I need. And uh, I said, you know what, I'll just look uh, nearby my hometown. And so I did. And two days later, I was on a flight. I came to see the first uh, place, <laughs> which was this one where we are in now. Incredible. And then just to open up some more possibilities, I looked for another few around, but it were older buildings. You had to redo the windows and this and that. And so this one was perfect. So I, I, I did it. And uh, for one year, I kept the two bases, New York and uh, a little bit more than one year, oh, wow. New York and uh, Venice. Um, and then uh, some other things happened uh, that uh, led me to just uh, be here. And so basically the initial thought for getting this place uh, was uh, just to go to a larger scale. So for the same reason uh, uh, that I moved to New York uh, in 2005, uh, for the exact same reason, which is photography, I moved back. Incredible. Just because uh, it made sense for, for my work. Right. My life is a secondary thing compared to my work. Uh, the priority is uh, to just make sure that I can do what I uh, feel I should do uh, in the best environment possible. Or not, but at least that makes it possible to do. Right. And this is uh, the reason why I got this space and set up a, a large darkroom 
and that allow me to to work on two meters uh, of paper. Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible space to be sitting in here as the <laughs> afternoon warm light is pouring in and your uh, two-meter prints are on the wall. No, it's, it's <laughs> spectacular. Do you find that you miss New York at all? I, I do miss uh, some things about New York. I miss my friends there. I miss... Uh, yeah, the of course uh, the vibration of the city, the the speed of the city. But at the same time, uh, when I, in in my last two years there, uh, I was missing uh, the opposite. Right. I was missing what I what I'm living here now, which is a uh, more uh, sort of quiet, uh, more um, uh, more quiet life. Uh, more uh, life. I mean, uh, always thinking about photography, not about life in general. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in. Uh, what takes me to to my work so more thinking more studying more uh, experimenting uh, more freedom uh, yeah. i found myself in new york that uh, i was um, uh, shrinking down my my love what i was loving about uh, photography which was uh, just doing that uh, right. rather than uh, doing what you do in new york which is going out a lot and um, uh, meet people and uh, do all that social life uh, which is great right uh, and when i was there i used to do that here even if you go out you're just by yourself on the street uh, there's right. nothing and nobody to talk to <laughs> and that's great but you can find it in venice or paris or london which is just a few steps from here right but when i'm here i know that i i'm the stress is different the pressure is different it's a pressure that i impose on myself uh to to work uh, in, in the uh, in, in what i want to do yeah not in what i have to do uh, it's uh, it's more quiet, uh, which is not the right word, but uh, it's more. Um, I think it's more positive vibe for me for the way I am. I, I'm not that social as a person, right. so this place, uh, which is an industrial area, there's really nothing happening. Right. And uh, <laughs> the only thing that happens is what inside, happens inside these walls, which is uh, everything I do from day to night, and that gives me a, a pleasant feeling of a pleasant pressure that I put on myself, which Absolutely. is a good kind of pressure, I think. Right. We must have lived in New York around this, uh, we probably overlapped each other at some point, which is funny, in, yeah, uh, in Brooklyn. Funny, yes. But yeah, living in New York definitely takes a certain amount of wattage just to exist, let alone pursue artistic things or, yeah. or, or deeper thought, at least for me. I'm the same way, I'm more introverted, so. I, I, totally, and I'm, I totally agree, but I'm sure there are people that can do it uh, really perfectly to oh, yeah. be fully it. creative and artistic as much as they want, uh, totally honest uh, with the work. Uh, I'm not like that, and uh, I loved my life, my 13 years in New York, I loved every day of it. Uh, but uh, now I love every moment of uh, this place, yeah. because... Um, it just allows me to 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 live my work differently and uh i just guess more more honestly i'm not sure what that means exactly but i i, I feel that way yeah. i just uh, more even more true if it's possible <laughs> right uh more more close to my to my work uh, um and at any scale now so i can experiment and some things uh, work just better in a different scale so this space allows me to 
include that possibility right. in the process. Might not be the final, but for this last project was, the next one might not be or anything. Yeah, and now you have a beautiful home base to uh, oh, yeah. come back to. And uh, besides Venice, is there any other city that's calling to you for a potential project? To photograph? Uh, yes. Or I don't know yet. I'm kind of, uh, well, I'm, I, I, I very often I'm in Paris, but not to shoot uh, just because uh, my, my gallery is there and, uh, and I love the city and I have friends there. But uh, for next projects, uh, well, Venice uh, is, uh, is one, one. Yeah. Uh, which is um, very interesting and challenging for me to approach again. Uh, but I'm eager to do it, and uh, I think everything worked out uh, somehow uh, well because now I'm back here, and uh, it changes all the uh, situation for me to work on something that close. Right. Uh, just mentally, I don't mean uh, physically, just to be able to be there in uh, 25 minutes. No, just uh, mentally to be around here is different. Uh, um, other 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 places, uh, I'm I'm not sure. I kind of uh, don't uh, don't want to work specifically on a place like I've done many other times, uh, but more like on the Harmony of Chaos project where the starting point, yes, was Shanghai, but it was just a theater of the photographs uh, right. uh, to talk about uh, more about men and megalopolis, uh, more on a general scale uh, rather than a, a restricted uh, uh, geographical space. Right. So, I mean, I'd love to now ask you about sort of the final extension of the analog realm, which is the books and exhibitions that you mm -hmm. do. And, and you have a particular fondness f for displaying your work in book form. And I'm super curious about that because it seems like it's not a dying art form, but it's not as considered as it once was. Yeah, the book for me is, uh, is extremely important, has always been extremely important because uh, what I think is that uh, every exhibition uh, can, uh, can change depending on the selection done by the curator or uh, whoever, the gallery. Uh, it can change uh, depending on the culture uh, at which you present it. Um, there can be some editing, the framing, the size, the budget that allows you either to make a small print or larger. It changes the feeling of the project. The book always remain, remains uh, um, identical. Uh, in time, it doesn't change. It will be pretty much seen from the same distance from every person that will go through the book. Uh, the paper hopefully doesn't change. Uh, the size is always that. Uh, the text, if there is any, is always connected to it uh, fully. Mm -hmm. And uh, the sequence remains the same, which is... Uh, uh, which can be good or bad. If, it, if you've done a great job, it's better if it stays in the same sequence. If you made mistakes, uh, you wish you could change it, but you can't because it's too late and the book is out. Or it's been out <laughs> for many years, uh, but everybody makes mistakes. And so the, the book just remains uh, and uh, respects uh, fully the, um, the total uh, uh, complexity of uh, that moment. Uh, when you were sure those were the things, uh, those were the that was the selection, uh, that was the sequence. Uh, so it is uh, a, a one moment of frozen time uh, that you can't change. Yeah. So I like uh, uh, it fascinates me to know that uh, 
you have to do the best you can in that moment uh, to make it last uh, much longer than that moment. Right. And that's the book. The exhibition, uh, you just decide to take down uh, half of the project you can. Maybe you don't, but it doesn't matter. You can. Right. The book, you can't. <laughs> and so how do you approach sequencing images or laying out a book? Does it always change? Well, uh, uh, no, actually, that's always the same system. Ah. First, I, it depends on how I, I structure the project. But generally speaking, when I have all the body of work, uh, what I do is lay, um, I lay out on, uh, on the floor uh, all the images. Many people do it on the computer at first. Uh, that's, for me, a second step uh, to lay out uh, on uh, double spread and so on. Uh, for me, the first uh, uh, process, uh, first step of the process is to lay everything out. I usually do it in a square, mm. in a square size, so I can control diagonals. And um, the first image uh, will have somehow, uh, as I've done for most of my books, uh, has to talk to the last image uh, and vice versa. Ah, I love that idea. And then, uh, and then I go by weights, by weights of... Uh, blacks and whites uh, and grays so i try to build uh, the the narration uh, usually there's not really narration on my books but the narration of uh, tonalities and uh, therefore uh, the aesthetics and considering also the meaning of uh, every there, there, it's it's very complex the way i i try to make books basically i work by finding uh, the right balance uh, between the first, the second, third, and so on, and so on, and so on, but also backward. And also, as, again, as I said, from the last one uh, uh, to the first one, uh, and uh, from the second to the one before the last one. And the perfect example is this uh, latest book that I've done, Harmony of Chaos, mm -hmm. which if you take it in the middle, uh, if you open it up in the middle, and you go left or right, uh, it's uh, exactly speculare. Specular, how do you say? Yeah. Uh, that it doubles. It's a mirror effect. Right, so it works either way. It works. Uh, the, the weight of the photograph, meaning the, the space of black or the space of gray or white, are there. It's, uh, it has been done like that. <laughs> wow. I start from the middle and then start opening up towards left and right and back and forth. Uh, uh, because I think if it works uh, on the layout on the floor, it will work, uh, maybe, when you close it in a book. And then when you do that, you do the first prototype, you see that uh, it doesn't work. So you have to redo everything completely because one little weight will just destroy everything. Also, you have to find, I, I, I try to find the, um, where the eye will look into the next image based on the previous subject. So if, you're, if you open a page and the subject is uh, towards the center, it's no good if in the next page the subject will be, be again in the center. Right. It will have to be somewhere around the edges of the image. And the following one will have to be on the opposite side. So you keep going around with the eyes, but controlled. Right. You have to have a direction. I, that's how I see making books. It's very complex. It's like writing music, which I've never done, but I've heard it's about those kind of weights. It's like writing poetry. So how long does a layout typically take? Or... From, from like let's say the prints are done to finishing the sequencing. Well, I I used to be a little bit uh, faster, and uh, I'm um, understanding that uh, it takes more. Yeah. <laughs> it takes more. Uh, it takes longer. 
because um, you have to let the project breathe a little bit. You have to forget about it for a moment and go back with fresh eyes. Right. So it happened to me that uh, it took a couple of months uh, or uh, six months. Uh, it, it depends also on the project. Right. It depends on the number of images. The more images there are, the more complexity is. Uh, it's always interesting to to see how to approach a project. That's a fun part for me. It's yeah. exciting because uh, I start learning more and more about my photography and why I'm choosing those images in that sequence, in that specific uh, line of thoughts. And uh, there is always one... Uh, I try to force myself to only use one... Uh, music that I listen to and I've done that uh, for all my books oh, wow. <laughs> uh, for 90% of them because I didn't know uh, this composer uh, for the first two or three uh, but it's uh, Arvo Pärt an, an, an Estonian composer uh, who I admire fully and there's one composition uh, that I listen to because I think it has uh, the closest thing to silence that I could ever hear in music and that's uh, the balance I try to, to recreate in my books Wow, that is incredible. I love that idea. I would not have thought to have included music into the process. That's Yeah. Yeah, I love I love that whole idea. So is that continuing yeah. you'll be listening to that for the next book as well yeah, just to I, kind of um, balance the mind. Absolutely. It's uh um I don't know if it worked or not for me, but that's uh that's what I like to do. I like to sometimes uh, put some limits on myself and um and see how I will work on the next project. Even if uh, the last one was uh, what, one year ago, I want to keep doing the same process, uh, but see how I've changed. Uh, I want to see, to use the same parameters I used one year or 10 years ago, yeah. but to, to, because I think those are parameters that um, made sense for my sensitivity, and I, and I want to stay in between those lines, uh, but pushing the work instead. Oh, so right. I think that might, uh, 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 I don't know, take me somewhere else. Yeah. Really interesting. I love that idea of the, I always work better with constraints. If I'm left to my own devices, wide open, nothing gets <laughs> done. <laughs> do you shoot daily? Do you carry a camera with you? Uh, no, I don't. I used to. I used to carry my camera everywhere. And uh, a couple of years ago, for several reasons, I decided uh, to stop because I wanted to... Um, to shoot less uh, by instinct and uh, control myself a little bit more, mm. um, which is just a temporary uh, moment for me. I said to myself last week that I will start again carrying my camera everywhere just because I miss having those uh, visual diaries uh, of whatever happens around my life. But uh, I've done two years without, re even traveling without my cameras. I sometimes I was uh, just by instinct uh, looking for it and just wouldn't find it on my shoulder. It was weird at the beginning, but I wanted to, to try that because uh, I didn't want, uh, as I said, uh, just uh, uh, shoot just like that, just for shooting because I like shooting. No, I wanted to uh, see uh, and, uh, and then think and then translate uh, and then uh, maybe find again that scene differently in front of my eyes that repeats itself uh, somewhere else on the other side of the world, or uh, just uh, having uh, faded memories of what I've seen in the past year and just come up and see it uh, somewhere else and just shoot it right. when I actually have to shoot it. 
So I don't know, I'm testing myself. And I've never done it before, but then uh, I got to a moment where, where I just want to, to focus uh, uh, more into one direction and explore more rather than uh, just be a photographer. Right. I am just a photographer, but I want to, to amplify that uh, to, to something else that maybe I opened up with my latest project. Uh, maybe that's it, or maybe there will be more. I will uh, figure it out very soon. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's an incredible discipline to not carry your camera on a trip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you panic the first couple of days? Of, or well, I was, uh, uh, it was the right thing to do. I, um, I'm glad I did, uh, and I'm glad I'm, uh, I'm okay now with uh, getting it back. I can't wait, uh, and actually I have some new things that uh, I'll be working on very soon, so I will be carrying more than one camera around, but for very specific things. Uh, but uh, as a daily life, uh, I'm sorry for some situations where I didn't have it, uh, but at the same time, it's fine anyway. Right. I'm, uh, I'm glad where I am, and uh, I'll keep doing the same uh, uh, soon, so it's yeah. no problem. And where do you see your work moving? I, you mentioned earlier, I think before we started recording, that you are interested in more subtlety. What, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I, um, I figured out with the, with the latest uh, uh, project, uh, Harmony of Chaos, uh, that Maybe it was time for me, and also thanks to some people uh, around me or some other inspirations that I got, and uh, maybe the location that has changed drastically from New York to outside of Venice. Uh, many, many things together. I think there are those uh, kind of moments uh, in uh, someone's life, uh, whatever he or she does, it doesn't matter if it's an artist, photographer, or uh, an accountant or anything. There are certain uh, uh, moments uh, when you have to that you have to embrace uh, and just uh, just uh, try to understand it rather than uh, fight it uh, or uh, uh, be scared uh, or uh, be totally comfortable or be both or be nothing. And so I, I've been in, in that kind of uh, transitional moment uh, and s the result uh, was, was, for me, it was great because uh, the latest project came out uh, wow. at a scale that I couldn't imagine, uh, going up to two meters with the prints, uh, to a selection of only 13 images, which uh, usually used to be 40, 50, 60, uh, which might not mean anything, but for me, knowing myself, all those uh, little elements plus many others mean mean a lot. So, which, which I guess it is uh, to slow down a little bit, uh, embrace things differently, approach uh, uh, the subject uh, from, uh, from a different uh, um, way of uh, uh, experiencing it right. and myself uh, in relation to it. So the, the Harmony of Chaos project actually was shot in 2012. Oh, wow. But I only made the prints, uh, the final prints in 2019, which I'm very glad that after 2012, the book never came out, the initial book never came out because it was a whole different project. Wow. It was uh, many more photographs. It was, um, it was uh, just another thing. Instead, by some weird reasons, uh, um, that project never came out. And I guess that uh, that was, a, I mean, I guess I'm sure it was a positive thing because uh, it led me to something else that way. 
Right. So I try when I can uh, to learn from situations, not necessarily mistakes, but just things that happen. And um, that waiting uh, made me open up the doors as something that uh, in 2012 I would have never even think about and would have never thought about it. And so I, um, I, I like to, to see that from outside a little bit and inside as well, but uh, as an observer uh, of myself, uh, which I always try to do, I like to study what the situations are around me and how I act around or in them. So this Harmony of Chaos project uh, is the result of uh, many, many things. And uh, uh, it is uh, more abstract uh, for some uh, uh, reasons in some of the images. Uh, I just think it's a, it's a, uh, it's a stronger project uh, for myself, for where I want to go towards right. to. I'm not saying uh, it's stronger than all my other projects. I, I, I would never say anything like that. I don't think about it. I don't care. It's not uh, the way I uh, think. Right. It's just, for me, it's an evolution just because uh, it opened up uh, my, my vision into something that, uh, as I said, uh, maybe years ago I would have not approached. And the result, uh, I, I like it a lot. It satisfies me and uh, it helps me to experiment more for the next one. Yeah. Do you think you'll continue off in that direction of more, again, abstract's not quite the word, but yeah. without the definitive sort of... Well, I can't say uh, that I can go towards one direction or the other. It's not really how I operate. I go where I feel uh, like there's, that's the only way I can go. Yeah. I don't even consider the other possibilities. Uh, I might look at them, uh, but I, actually I cannot even consider them possibilities at all. Interesting. Uh, I just see one thing and I will just uh, keep digging into that. And if it's the wrong one, uh, that situation will tell it to myself. Right. And I will hopefully see that. And so make some variations. But by making those mistakes, uh, I will uh, I will find the right direction. It's not yeah. either one or the other. It's it's not that I can choose whether to be abstract or figurative. It's not me. I, I am who I am and I shoot the way I shoot. It's right. just uh, exploring that will uh, lead me to something. It's my work that will lead me uh, to to the next work. I, I love that whole idea, and it, and it seems like you keep yourself and your work pretty hermetically sealed. Like it doesn't seem like you allow a lot of other influences, whether in the photo world or, I know maybe some of the art world or music. But do you do you reference other images, or do you try to just well, stick to I your own? I look and study constantly at everything that interests me, mm -hmm. but uh, I'm sure it integrates. Uh, into my work somehow, but I hope a very, in a very subtle way because uh, I, I'm not the kind of person that wants to replicate anything and I hope nobody wants uh, and I, I think uh, nobody really wants to do that. But inspiration is always uh, a great thing and uh, uh, I think everybody has to study their own uh, influences and why one uh, artist or the other is more influential in your work? What What is it that you like about that artist? Uh, um, what is it that uh, makes you get deeper into that uh, or uh, abandon that study? Right. And uh, so I think all together it will make a sense at some point and it will reflect into your work, not uh, directly, but in a very subtle uh, second layer kind of thing uh, you will see where you're coming from uh, and where it's taking you but not necessarily 
uh, a visual influencer that has to replicate uh, on the surface of the paper. That's for sure. I really hope not. Right. <laughs> One hopes not for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Instagram is not, you know, at this point for me, I'm quite bored with just the amount of derivative images of even cer certain styles. It's just very flat, but I, I love your approach of sort of keeping it hermetically sealed and responding to your own mm. impetuses. Do you, do you engage with Instagram much or, or that? Yeah, yeah, I, I do engage in the sense that I I am on it. That's uh, as far as I can go right. with engaging. <laughs> uh, if it didn't exist tomorrow morning, I definitely wouldn't cry. And I'm sure you wouldn't, nobody would. Uh, it's a useful tool and uh, I'm glad it exists because uh, compared to even just a few years ago, um, the people can see the work you i can see the work of other people or other situations and basically follow museums and galleries and artists uh, and every once in a while i like to see what's going on and it keeps me updated if i'm going to paris i see what shows are on sure. uh, what exhibitions are in whatever museum i mean everything that is on there i know can be figured out online just googling something right so it's not really a revelation uh, instagram but uh, for what concerns my work, uh, I know that um, I know that uh, sharing uh, my my word of photography uh, has brought me some interesting people to meet. Mm -hmm. I've met several people uh, or exchanged thoughts with uh, people. So I guess it all depends on how you take it. Uh, I, I cannot uh, uh, dislike uh, Instagram because I don't count on it too much. Right. I just uh, I am on the very uh, thin surface of it. And uh, I don't post for months. Uh, I mean, um, <laughs> uh, and then I post... 10 times a day, which is, no, it's all wrong. It's, you shouldn't do that. But I really don't care. Right. It's, a, it's, it's nothing to me, but it's a good uh, tool uh, to, to say, hey, if you are in Paris next week or whatever, it's uh, my show. Um, yeah. It's just good for that, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious. Do you keep a journal or anything? Do you write in terms of your thinking? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I just uh, write notes um, from when I... Uh, read or um, go through some uh, books that I'm interested in. Uh, I underline everything, but then I know that I would never go back to that book uh, to see where and underline what. So <laughs> I just uh, transcribe that uh, right. into something else, mm. some just ideas and thoughts, uh, 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 whatever, anything that interests me, facts, uh, anything, sure. just so that I know they're all in one place. Uh, if I need that, I will just go straight to to the journal but no i yeah i'm not the kind of uh, journal in the sense that you're saying uh, kind of person i'm uh, um, i definitely keep all my contact sheets uh, with writing on the back uh, whoever is in that picture even if it's photographs of uh, life and friends or anything i write down every detail possible so if i go through my contact sheets which are insanely well organized. Uh, uh, I'm sure there are many better ways to do it, but for me, I'm at the highest uh, so far on my archiving kind of thing. I'm very proud <laughs> of that. Um, I hope I will find even a better way, but uh, for now, it's everything is organized, and that's my kind of journal, all my Completely. contact sheets uh, where I write on the back uh, everything I can to remember the moment uh, and connect if... Uh, I'll lose my memory in 
right tomorrow <laughs> that's the kind of almost like the best kind of visual journal is to go back through the contact yeah. sheets and and see where you for were me, and what you're thinking it is uh, it's uh, i'm a very visual person so it works yeah no that's great is there another personal project that you're thinking of off in the future or is there one that you haven't quite tackled yet or not ready to tackle yet well uh, um there is uh, one project uh, uh which is about dennis uh, which uh i feel like it's a my personal project uh, even if it was um if it was uh, born from a conversation with some people in in venice and we're kind of working together on it i can't really say much uh, about this yet sure. uh, but that will be i mean all my next projects will be personal yeah. uh, 100% so it seems like unfortunately i cannot say anything about any of them no 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 that's fine <laughs> sorry no no but i love that and uh that seems very very renato's to have <laughs> just personal projects which is so spectacular i mean it's just i guess one of the other things that i also really respond to in your work is that it it has a timelessness but also a contemporary feel to it is that something that you consciously chose to do or would you would you not even agree with that is that, is that no no i that? totally agree and uh it's um something that I don't like to think about it uh, meaning that uh, I don't want to search for it uh, and uh, by doing that I guess it has become uh, more and more natural uh, just by itself uh, I uh, you will never see um, something on one of my photographs that will relate to 2020 right nothing yeah. If I do it by mistake, I will take it out from the series just because uh, it will say it's 2020. And there are photographers that do that and want that that way and they do it in the best way possible. For me, you, I don't want to, I, I, I want to look at one of my photographs uh, and get lost in time, get lost in space, uh, not think uh, about any correlation with time uh, and uh, um, place yeah uh, more and more if you were asking me earlier uh, direction uh, or anything mm -hmm. like that about the um, about next projects and so on uh, maybe even more and more that kind of thing yeah um, the universality uh, meaning not just uh, about space but time as well in my photography uh, because uh, also of the uh, minimal uh, uh, approach that I have to the subjects so again uh, through uh, um, subtraction I tend to eliminate the subjects rather than include them and uh, that allows me to have more control on which subjects uh, I want to include or not and uh, the subjects uh, the subjects I will choose uh, are not uh, and will uh, not be related to specific moments because uh, I want them to uh, last forever in the sense that uh, in 50 years, uh, I don't want them to be related to when I was uh, 30 or 40 or whatever. I just want them to be uh, exactly the same as when I shot them. Right. That's, uh, that's essential for me. It's uh, the infinity of, um, of a shot, of the longevity of a, of a thought or a, of a subject. Yeah. Uh, just not to be related to any boundary given by things that uh, uh, we are subject to, time, basically. Right. Is that part of the large reason that you choose black and white and even triax? Yeah, it is. Uh, black and white is uh, for several reasons. Uh, one, uh, a main one is that reason. 
the timeless, the silence, the silence of uh, black and white compared to the many times uh, noisy color, mm -hmm. uh, which is beautiful. And I shoot sometimes in color. I've done uh, uh, some, uh, and uh, and I love photographers that really can do great things in color. It's it's amazing, but it's another thing for me. The simplicity of black and white, uh, the uh, the purity of uh, just uh, three, let's say, let's call them three tonalities, black and white and gray, even if it's not like that, it doesn't matter. Right. But just the presence and absence uh, of gray that will make white and black uh, are just enough for me. Yeah, It's already a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to manage, it's a lot to control because you have uh, many possibilities already and it's beautiful to have them, uh, but it just simplifies uh, the way that the viewer will look at the photograph. It sure. will just go more straight, uh, let's say, to the point, uh, if you want to make a point, or if you have a certain uh, specific uh, element that you want to point out, point out, or a subject, or a meaning, or a thought. Uh, I think, uh, at least for me, it works like that. It just goes straight to that uh, without uh, interferences. Yeah, completely. It's funny, I even look at work of my own from like a few years ago when I shot with a different digital camera and the sensors render color differently no matter how you retouch them. It's like the sensor of that camera and it has now dated just like Kodachrome would have dated like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's yeah. it's an interesting point and, uh, to consider for sure. <laughs> black and white doesn't need any. And if there's any uh, film that tr uh, Kodak will continually make, it's probably Triax. So no, let's well, hope so. I, 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 <laughs> I hope. <laughs> well, yes, they will. Yeah. Or no, I, I mean, uh, it sounds like there's a big resurgence for uh, yeah. Kodak even, which is nice. So. Yeah, I mean, there is a there is a lot going on with the with the dark room. Uh, I don't know if it's good or not. It's good for one side. It's not for the other. But uh, um, generally, is good because they will keep making. Yeah. materials uh, and uh, as long as there's a uh, film and paper and chemicals uh, um, I'll be using them well thank you so much for doing this I really appreciate you sitting down thank with you. me and showing me around today and the, for the fantastic lunch and conversation so that was a real pleasure yeah it was this was a real pleasure for me and I look forward to seeing what you do next so thank you thank you